candidates themselves. Oh, and this is the president's writing this before. He was happy even before Mike Johnson was selected. But I'll tell you what, he jumped for joy when Mike Johnson was selected. All right. Uh, okay, more posting here. Trump touts car choice in his bid to revitalize the struggling auto industry. This is great. He's getting down to brass tacks here. Uh, he makes the point, and you know, this is the, the man who builds things, the industrial construction titan. He understands cars are important, and cars are especially important to middle class people. We're, of course, losing our middle class, so I guess we'll start talking about ourselves as the lower class. The car, car is still important to us. And he says, you should you should be able to drive the car that fits your life. Like for me, the cheap car, the beater. Uh, the, the, and if people like Joe Biden and uh, Greta Thunberg and uh, Chuck Schumer take away my right to drive a beater, I, I always buy a car of, I, I buy a car that's, you know, got 150,000 miles on it. I just look for a car that's been taken care of and that was originally a well-built car and has got, you know, it's got 100,000 miles more of life in it if I take care of it. And those cars are very inexpensive for a guy like me. And Thunberg and Biden and the, the other Communist greenies, they want to take that away from you and me. Everybody knows. Everybody knows it. They want to force you to have to buy a car you can't buy, a car you can't pay to service or maintain, an electric monster that costs. Oh, and by the way, forget the price you're seeing about with electric cars. You know, if you see something written up, you know, well, hey, hey, um, uh, Tesla is selling this electric car for this much. Hey, honey, that, maybe that's a good deal. Maybe we could have. No, it's not. It's subsidized, idiot. That's not the real price of the car. Tesla and all these other people, they're getting Ford and uh, all the people making electric cars. They're, they're getting uh, the carrot and the stick. The federal government is rewarding them, lavishing upon them billions of dollars of subsidy. We'll build the charging stations. We'll do this. We'll, you know, exempt you from this and from that. We'll give you tax credits if you'll build electric cars. That's the carrot. Then the stick. If you, if you don't build electric cars, if you insist on building what we, the public, want, the level-headed uh, patriot public, we want our American cars. We want our classic American cars. I want a valve train I can understand. I want, I want a car that doesn't have so many gizmos on it that I can't work on it. That I can't be like Thomas Edison or the Wright brothers or Charles Lindbergh. I want to be able to work on my machine like as they did. I don't want to be at the mercy of a dealership that's going to 
turn me upside down and shake all the money out of my pants and then take my car when I can't pay for the repair. But they beat those, the beating that they administer to the companies is if you don't make the electric cars, we're going to punish you. We're going to we're going to uh, say that uh, <clears throat> you're you, you're. Well, there, there, there are a hundred ways that people like Pete, Pete, uh, uh, judge my butt, Buddha judge uh, that he can is the czar of the transportation. He can punish you. He can ruin you. But Donald Trump's, no, he's going to put it back. He's going to make it so that I can, my next car will be another one with 150,000 miles on it, and it'll burn great American gas that is the result of Donald Trump's motto. You heard him say it in his recent speeches. He loves it. It's a line he's now added to his speeches. Drill, baby, drill. Drill, baby, drill. That's what he's going to do. He's going to drill, drill, and drill. And to our beautiful oil that is everywhere under the continental United States and off the continent, it's everywhere. We, we are blessed with the greatest oil reserves anywhere in the world, greater than Saudi Arabia and Russia combined. And our oil is better quality oil. And that Donald Trump will reassert again energy independence. That'll be stage one. Give him another year or two, and he'll convert that into energy dominance. And that will give us prosperity. And that'll keep my beaters affordable and available. <laughs> You imagine there's never going to be a beater Tesla car. You never, you're never going to see down the road. Uh, pardon the pun. You're never going to see uh, a, an old Tesla that you can pick up for. You know, I've I've bought cars for my last two cars. I paid twenty two hundred for my last car, and I have a two thousand seven Pontiac G six, and I paid. Can you believe this for a two thousand one Oldsmobile Silhouette minivan. I, I picked that up. Runs like a. I'm still driving it. Runs beautifully. Thirteen hundred bucks. Wow. I love that car. If a Tesla ten years from now, a Tesla it'll cost thirteen hundred dollars to have you know service on your anything on that car. The tiniest thing. There won't be anything serviceable by you. There won't be anything that's inexpensive. You like I, I can buy a battery for my G6 or my Silhouette. I can buy a battery for sixty nine bucks, a brand new battery that'll carry me out for several years. That's the way it ought to, and I can install it myself. That's the way it ought to be. I can change my oil myself. Wait till you have to replace the battery pack in the Tesla or any of these other electric monstrosities. And Donald Trump's making a great humorous part of his speeches now 
he he does a, a, a stand up comic routine on you know uh, Bill and Martha uh, American middle class citizens out for a drive in their electric car. <laughs> Oh, Martha, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, Martha. I don't know if we're going to make it. Can you look on the map? Is there a charging station? Where is a charging station? Do you know how many gas stations we have in America? You're going to have to get rid of all of those. And by the way, have you ever seen a gas station um, uh, condemned and uh, plowed over? You ever seen how incredibly millions of dollars... They dig up the tanks. <clears throat> they have to process all the dirt that those tanks were sitting in. They have to, uh, it can take years of vapor processing on the soil under a gas station because it's so toxic. Oh my, oh Martha, oh my goodness, those fumes from gasoline. Can you believe it? Gasoline, what a. <laughs> You're going to have to replace it. You're going to have to get rid of every filling station in America and replace it with these electric charging monstrosities. It's the death knell of the American, of, of our prosperity. Oh, are the Chinese going to do this? Are you kidding? No, they're going to have gas stations. And they're going to power their, their lights and their gas stations with uh, electricity generated by beautiful, wonderful what? Coal, of course. Coal is wonderful. Have you ever burned coal, ladies and gentlemen? Have you ever appreciated the beauty of coal? How wonderful it is? Guess who's sitting on top of the world's greatest coal treasures in the world? Vastly beyond anybody else. That's right, you are. There's coal everywhere in America. There's coal in Ohio. There's coal in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia. And that coal is dwarfed by the coal in North Dakota. It's everywhere. It's beautiful, and it's it will last us forever, and it's beautiful how it burns and it generates heat. I watched a show today where a guy was comparing, the as a survivalist, the wood-burning stove. That's a great, that's great. I, that, I love that, wood-burning stove. I wish I had one. But the guy said, hey, forget about the wood-burning stove. Get yourself a stove that will burn coal. It is much better heat. It's much more efficient. It's much more pleasant and easy. Easier than the coal, the, 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 the wonderful wood-burning stove. Get yourself one that's built to handle coal. You will not be sorry you did. And coal is cheap. Hang on, we'll be right back. Well, maybe we won't. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll terminate there. But thank you, buddy. I'll catch you tomorrow night. Consider this. Dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead.
Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier. Look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. We talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air and 30 years in this profession. Fifth, don't allow naysayers to divert your interest. Allow yourself the right to protect your interests as you see fit. Jeff Bennett here. One of the ways you can do that is to contact Kettle Moraine Limited. Contact me by calling or texting me at 602-799-8214. 602-799-8214. You can also email me at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net. Let me help you protect your wealth and your family today. Once again, call or text us at 602-799-8214 or visit our website, SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com. Be glad to help you out. Be glad to answer your questions. That's what we're here for. No pressure. Just good, hard, common sense. The decision then becomes up to you. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. fascinated by the commentary from Kelso on uh, processed gas stations. You know, when you pull those tanks up out of the ground, all the EPA regulations, you got to do something with the dirt. It's got to be processed a certain way. It takes takes a lot of money. <clears throat> also, I have a wood stove and the problem with coal is I, I would have to go buy coal. I can just cut wood in my backyard in the field and I, I clean up neighbors' yards and different customers that I have. And, you know, haul the wood off, and that's that's my fuel. So um, that's my plug for wood stoves. 
Also, John Warsaw is that really cool wood stove. It's very efficient. You can burn anything in it. Apparently, you can burn pine. Highly recommend. And maybe you're like Jeremy. We don't. We live in an apartment. We're in the city. We don't have wood stoves. We can't have them. Buy one. I mean, instead of spending that money on something retarded, uh, like a boomer vacation to Disney World, get a few wood stoves. Those are trade. Those are going to be uh, things that you can trade because if someone needs heat and they have beef or something that you need, like ammunition, you can trade that wood stove. Definitely things that you should think about. We're going to try to pull William in now um, because this would normally be your Thursday night. William and Jeremy show may try to do that at the break. Meanwhile, I want to cover this. I don't know if it's breaking news because apparently it happened yesterday, but this white guy mass shooting um, in Lewistown, Maine, 22 people dead um, after two mass shootings. The suspect is identified as 40-year-old firearms instructor Robert Card, who at the time of this publication uh, was still at large, New York Post, um, talking about the person in interest, a firearms instructor. Hmm. I wonder if he's going on social media and looking at conspiratorial websites, you know, about um, the government being overbearing and uh, comments against Joe Biden. Yes, we check all of those boxes. We definitely check what. I'm waiting for the uh, Hitler National Socialist memorabilia to be found on his laptop. That's going to be a thing. Um, is this the, the false flag that they're waiting for to really put the crackdown on just white people in general that are right-wing and Trump supporters? Forget about even pro-white. Um, just anybody. I mean, the, the dragnet could be large here. Over the summer, this guy was committed to a mental health facility and was released after a two-week stay. Oh, so he was on the FBI's watch list. The plot thickens. He suffered from mental health issues, including hearing voices. He threatened to shoot up military training base. Uh, Card is from... Bowdoin, Maine, uh, an Army reservist stationed out of uh, Saco, Maine. This is all according to the Post. Um, again, 40 years old and still at large. As far as I can tell, I'm going to pull up some more stuff on this. To see. Any more info on this? But yeah, you know, something Chris and I were talking about last time. Oh, we got William coming on in here. Let me introduce William Rapellum. William, welcome. I can't hear you, bro. I'm gonna just keep going. You, you pipe in when you uh, when you got some sound. I must break you. Now. Yeah, we got you, man. Hey, guy. How you doing, buddy? I just went through the down and dirty details on the 40-year-old shooter who was a firearms instructor and a reservist, had mental health issues, was committed and released on the FBI's watch list. Checkmark, checkmark, checkmark. Um, obviously, this is why supremacist terrorism. 
<laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but um, yeah, I mean, so is it time to start talking about some of these, um, some of the military technologies that they have with mind control and stuff? I mean, I haven't really delved super deep into it, but I've been hearing about it for years and years and years, and I've heard very credible sources talking about it. Um, so somebody who already has like a mental condition, right? Um, I think what they can do is, uh, sort of like take advantage of your weaknesses or your flaws or, you know, your desires or whatever, um, and manipulate people. It, it could be that it could be some MK ultra tier things going on there. Um, it could be someone who just legitimately snapped and the system's going to take advantage of it. But most, you know, most likely it was someone that they've been grooming. Uh, yeah. Observing. He was in the mental hospital. I mean, I'm sure he really did the shootings. I'm not going to say nobody was dead. Um, but what I am going to say is it, it is right. an operation. And what my initial reaction was, this is going to foster all kinds of red flag laws in the various states. Um, so as states begin to gain more autonomy post-COVID, post-George Floyd, post-child training movements, you know, states are breaking away and, and crafting legislation. Um, the federal government's going to come down with these uh, things like this to push the states into doing red flag law legislation, which they're already pushing in Tennessee. And and so red flag, well, who would be considered mentally unstable? Maybe if you, I don't know, you're a host on RBN and you talk about conspiracies you talk about jewish power uh, maybe you just you even talk about you know support for trump or you think that israel had it coming when it uh, comes to hamas people that say stuff like that any of that could be deemed uh, red flag worthy so i think a, a massive gun grab is on the horizon uh, through legislation in the states what 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 sayest you yeah man it's all it all fits right into the timeline uh, perfectly that's the perfect uh, another it's just it's the same old story you know oh it's another mass shooting that makes you know pretty much no sense so you know it's completely unhinged it doesn't it's, it doesn't apply it's not totally out of context with anything that's going on it's just somebody who supposedly went crazy and shot up uh, a bunch of children or whatever I don't know um, so tell me remind me I, just the story just fresh in my head so what was the venue was it a school Oh, hang on. Uh, it was in the city of Lewiston. Yeah. Maine. Wednesday night. It was a bowling alley. That's right. Okay, so I watched the guy. He said he climbed up into the... He climbed back up above the bowling, you know, pins. He just slid down, you know, all the way to the end of the alley. Climbed up into the bowling pin holder. <laughs> Waited. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I mean... The shooting may really have happened, but that's um, By the way, hard to it's hard to say at this point. Yeah, the, the crisis actors that I saw, if they're crisis actors, they seem to be doing better than others that I've seen in the past. Did you catch that last one? I said uh, SSRI antidepressants were involved. That's also a common thread with the. Uh, the Florida kid, uh, mm -hmm. 
shot up the school. And then I don't even know about the Vegas thing. That whole thing was a hoax. I mean, probably people got shot, but, you know, that old man didn't drag up all those armaments into that hotel room. No way. Yeah. Good job. But no, we just stepped back and looked at the 40,000 foot view. You were asking me about why Sharia earlier. Something Chris and I touched on last night, this whole alt-right movement uh, seems to be a way to control the opposition, to set traps for well-meaning people who just see this massive immigration. They're beginning to see Jewish power. They're seeing it very uh, blatantly now with the Israel Hamas thing. And anybody that pushes back or, or talks out against this, you know, there's certain traps for them. The white Sharia was a thing um, after and, and during Charlottesville. And what that was, you know, the Daily Stormer always used to and still kind of does do over-the-top humor and hyperbole, kind of like shock jock stuff. Um, I don't know the guy. I've, I've spoken with Anglin in messages. I'm not saying he's an op. I mean, maybe he's just got caught up in this and he's, he's a victim, you know. Uh, but but they did this meme called White Sharia where it was basically a, uh, an over-the-top hyperbole pushback against the feminism, the, the homoism, and all the other isms. And they were saying that white people need to uh, do this thing where they control women and they throw homos off roofs, and they called it white Sharia. It was very tongue-in-cheek, but again, it's stuff that could be used uh, against you, like if you supported the Daily Stormer or anything, and um, you were put, you know, you were red flagged. Um, it's something that definitely could be used against you if you're associated with any of these circles. Uh, TRS does a lot of the, the right stuff.biz does a lot of the same type of over the top humor. Again, I'm not indicting these people per se. I'm just throwing out there what I've observed. Since, you know, I got into this in 2015, and the alt right's been a thing since 2015. 13. Um, they pushed a lot of stuff with Alexander Dugan early on. Um, so you get your pro-Russian thread. But I'm just saying we're coming into a perfect storm of the system cracking down and rounding up anybody that's just against the system that would voice any opposition at all uh, to what they're doing to us. That, that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. Um, well, if they got the the manpower for it, that's coming across the border. All the military age males coming across the border, um, and um, yeah, this war against white people, this Jewish war against white people, is really you know they have a very they 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 plan it out, you know. It's uh and uh, they lay down their psyops one by one and unrelentingly. So they're out to kill us. You know, they're out to kill us. So you seem to do that until we stop them. You sent a great article from Renegade Tribune. I don't usually frequent that site, but there's some interesting stuff on there. Uh, Muslim terrorists will be an excuse to crack down on white anti-Semites. Uh, the current Muslim terrorist threat is a two birds, one stone scenario. For our enemies, they were looking to be shut down. Pro-Palestinian critics of Israel while also going after white people opposed to Jewish supremacy and their white genocide agenda. That's the first paragraph of the uh, Renegade article. 
Uh, pretty spot on, though. I don't agree with everything Kyle puts out, but uh, I think he hit the nail on the head there. Uh, because, you know, in Europe right now, uh, they're talking about deporting Muslims that openly supported Hamas or just, just simply said Israel shouldn't be killing Palestinian children. You know, forget about all these Muslims that are killing, raping, and pillaging, and committing crime. You know, you had that stuff in uh, in France, the whole protest in France. Let's not touch these people because our values are we've got to tolerate them. But if you talk against Israel, you're gone. You're deported. I mean, the hypocrisy is coming full view. So, you know, there was a minute there where I thought they were talking about deporting the actual native white uh, stock from Europe. <laughs> Deport I w- where, I guess, the FEMA camps. I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, Mark Hollett was saying, uh, he was on Patrick's show recently, he had been the one mentioning these de- deportations, and, you know, they definitely would crack down on whites there and throw you in prison. I mean, you already have anti, uh, anti-Semitism hate speech laws there. You can't uh, question the Holocaust. You can't talk about it. You can't talk about Jewish power there or race. We're at 929. We should be on the break. Um, let's see if we hear the music. Take that break. Regather. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at RepublicBroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. While we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country, here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store 
or call us. 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Washington, please come on the show. Yeah, I, uh, I just had a black pill for you about your rural uh, theory about escaping to the rural America. So, yeah, Washington, the problem is basically every farm industry and every small town in this country is basically imported probably 40% Mexican population now. So that happened in eastern Washington. Uh, Stop defaming me. (laughs) Uh, It was Nevada. Nevada's been like that for a while. And now you start having Nebraska and uh, Missouri. Um, So it's moving your way, man. So yeah, I've started to see him in uh, Missouri and uh, Arkansas, and that's kind of getting close it's, to you. So get ready. 
it's true. All of our contractors, I mean, I got a friend that's a painting contractor. He did this whole house with Mexicans. The farmers use them in tobacco, you know, and, and especially at harvest time. And, uh, I mean, they are, they've been here for a while. I think the, what I'm talking about, about getting into the rural areas is you're going to be under a little bit more of an umbrella. It's going to be a lot better scenario than in a big city. And at least here, the, you know, the sheriffs and, and, uh, small town police, uh, control black crime a lot better. And soon Mexican crime coming to a small town near you. Uh, when all these migrant workers are hanging out and overstay their visas like they always do. Um, I just think it's going to be more tolerable, and it's not like the ultimate that, solution yeah, that, to the problem. Like, yeah, that's true from, like, the BLM hordes and stuff like that, burning the city down. That's true. But you are going to have uh, Mexican gangs rolling into uh, in the rural areas. But, uh, William, what's your deal? Yeah. It's rural. That's what they play from the slam Chevy Silverados. They slam these things to the ground and put like a really wide tires on them. Hmm. Anyway. Well, you know, I mean, the more they bring in, the, the more it will, uh, That'll probably happen, but I don't know. I haven't really. I would say, like, uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, there were Mexican gangs, you know, um, in the suburbs where I was. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're probably going to be more of everything. And they'll probably the, the gangs will probably be more in the cities. That was my first thinking but probably more concentrated in the larger cities. But I'm starting uh, to see Idaho. I'm starting to see just kind of like Idaho is like 60% Mexican until you get to like the cities. And then that's where all the white people live. Kind of. Sir, my message is simple. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, uh, anyway, I just saw that today and I'm thinking, Oh man, that's that's uh yeah. Even you talk about rural areas, even people that live out in the middle of nowhere with plenty of acreage and they have weapons, you know, if the system wants to target them for something they've done or said online or for whatever reason, you know, that can be done. Uh we're just not at the point of of violent resistance. Well, let me let me choose my words wisely. We're not at the point of self-defense. <laughs> Sir, my you know, message is simple. Naggers, yeah. Jews, homosexuals, Mexicans, Arabs, and all kinds of different chanks stink, and I hate it. Clayton Bigsby, I mean, summed it up right there. I don't know. I can argue with that. So, hey, we got Lark holding on, too. You want to hang yeah, on, Yeah, that's no, no, that's all I had, man. Just kind of a depressing day, so I thought I'd. I got blackpilled. I was like, "Oh, there's no escape in the rural areas." I've been seeing it for a while, but I just, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna hang up. Thanks. Hold on, Dan. <laughs> so we got. 
We got Lark in Texas coming on. And don't go, Dan. Don't go. <laughs> uh, y'all hearing me all right? Yeah. Yeah, we got you. Okay. I don't know what it is, but anymore, when I'm connected to the host and I call in, the volume level goes way down on y'all's end. I can't, I mean, I can barely hear you. But anyway, we'll do the best we can, okay? <laughs> By the way, are y'all aware that uh, back in the 50s and the 60s and before, that they didn't have the uh, automatic uh, uh, pin setters? At bowling alleys like they do now, they had a simple, uh, they had to have a guy back there that generally worked a couple lanes. And uh, he would he would uh, move the pins that were knocked down with the bowling ball out of the way and then throw them uh, and then put them back in after the spare was made or not made on the second roll of the, of the bowling ball. So yeah, I remember that quite uh, vividly when I was, uh, you know, small small boy. But the reason I called it, I wanted to ask y'all, you, if you guys, if you'd ever seen the uh, quick YouTube video, it's like twelve minutes. It's called um, um, uh, it's, it's from Hypernormalization by Adam Curtis. And it's called uh, Nonlinear Warfare, A New System of Political Control. Have y'all seen that? No, I have not. I'm Googling it now. William? It's a man, no, baby! I don't think I've seen it, but it sounds familiar. Um, I, the term I've heard before, but I'd like to watch it. It's 12 minutes, yeah. Yeah, I really, I really recommend that you and anybody else hearing my voice right now you need to see this okay because this describes exactly what the title says it's called non-linear warfare a new system of political control and what oh, it is this is a guy the guy that came up with this is his name is uh vladislav Surkov. he comes from the world of avant-garde theater and film and uh, especially what he advised Putin to do was to back, for the government to back all of these different groups in order to control all sides to every conflict and every debate. And, you know, it's just fine. Get them to fight it out in the street, whatever. Because if you can control these groups, especially with money, like grant funding or like Soros does, for example, through Open Society Foundation. And there are many groups out there that are, are willing to work with different federal agencies. And, and, and see, all law enforcement since 9-11 has been uh, organized under the Department of Homeland Security, all of it, including the Coast Guard. That's the, you know, the... Uh, Bureau of Land Management, that's the county sheriffs, it's the uh, municipal uh, police chief. Uh, every last vestige of law enforcement in this country was reorganized under one umbrella called the Department of Homeland Security. And what they enforce is what's called modern policing. That's what they call it. 
And what that means is that they employ what they term innovation in uh, policing strategies. And so anything that is like a false, like a, like a shooting that you hear about on the news, if you hear it on the Talmud vision, you can bet it's fake. I mean, 90% more at the end of time. But you would be surprised how many rank-and-file deputy dogs and cops on the beat are, generally speaking, out of the loop on that, but they catch wind of it because you can't keep this information secret for, for very well or for very long. So, if, like, for example, in Dallas, uh, you know, we've had, you know, we had an incident several years ago where supposedly there was a shootout in downtown Dallas, and five police officers were killed in the line of duty. And subsequently, the cops dispatched a robot to flush this uh, Muslim terrorist. It was a black guy with a Muslim name, by the way, uh, that they use. Uh, they blew him up with a, with a robot. It was completely fake. Everybody accepted it as a fact. And what they didn't report on, although you could find find the story. Uh, stop buried. defaming me. I'm sorry? Uh, stop defaming me. It's cool, Lark. Go, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> it's just Mike. He's playing uh, Jonathan Greenblatt. Oh, is that I'm right? He's <laughs> flat. Sorry. Oh, yeah. One of them. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. They even that was during the BLM stuff. So they, you know, they, they blame BLM. You, you were going what on wonder, Mark, about what I, what I wanted to say is more than two hundred rank and file veteran Dallas police officers resigned in the year before that. That's because they caught wind of the planning. You know, there was a church, so called. Uh, shooting down here not too long ago in a small town, completely fake. You know, several years ago, there was, uh, you know, a draw picture of Muhammad contest. Sir, my with, message uh, is simple. You know, a couple with people. With the anti-Semitic remarks. Anyway, I'm going to let you all go, okay? I just This is important. People need to understand that the what they want to do is they want to un- they want to undo all your moorings and foundations about what's real and what's not in this life. Because this is how they make slaves. You don't know, and when you watch that, that short film clip, 12 minutes, you're going to find out that they don't even care if you find out that it was a false flag. I mean, we got people that invest yeah. a whole lot of time, right. uh, you know, figuring out that these things were fake or, you know, uh, what have you? But I have to ask my, I had to ask, you know, are, are we not just wasting our energy? You know, th- this stuff is fake. Fake, fake, fake. Why are we wasting our energy and time on it? We need to be laughing these people off the stage. You know, we need to be telling everybody we know to turn off their TVs and put the damn thing to the curb and never. I mean, you know, we're never going to get this country back so long as people are watching TV. 
And, uh, you know, we don't even have, we have a situation today where we're actually going to be enslaved by our own amusements and our own devices. And that's no shit. That, that's true. How many people, Lark, 10 years ago, how many people in our age bracket and older said, I'm not getting a smartphone. I'll never get one of those. And then they found out that it was very useful for their business and keeping up with the news and the latest Trump stuff and whatever. And they broke down and they got it. It's a good example of being enslaved by our own devices. This nonlinear warfare, I think also referred to as hybrid warfare, um, that's the Frank Hoffman guy. You know, it employs political, conventional, and cyberware, uh, fake news. All of these things um, are combined to sort of do this op against the people. Um, or, for example, they're going to try to connect. They're going to try to connect, you know, pro-white people with these Muslim terrorists. You know, you said that the black shooter in Dallas uh, was a Muslim and associated with BLM. Um, this is how they work. They connect it all together. And if you do have a good local sheriff that normally wouldn't trample your constitutional rights, if that sheriff is told, hey, we're fighting terrorists here. These people in your town are terrorists. Uh, you know, you need to arrest them. We need to, to come get them. You know, that law enforcement uh, peace officer would comply. Then they would comply under their sense of patriotism. I think it's all part of Russ. That means I don't work. The I fact of the matter work. is, is today most sheriffs belong to a trade union of some sort. And these are called syndicalist trade groups. Syndicalism is trade unionism. But people forget that it's not just blue collar. It's also white collar. You know, the, the National Governors Association is a closed shop trade union. The U.S. Conference of Mayors is the same. You have to be invited to join. But the same is true of the uh, municipal uh, chiefs of police, the county sheriffs. There are thousands of these in the country. I mean, even the American Bar Association with all its branches and the Lawyers Guild with all their branches, these are trade unions. And syndicalism is considered a replacement for capitalism. People don't even realize that corporatism is fascism, which is also socialism. It's a form of socialism, and socialism can only lead to gangsterism or organized crime made legal. And we're well on our way to being led right into actual slavery. I yeah, don't long. know how to put this. I'd say we're already there. I'm kind of a big deal. These law enforcement I mean, unions, it sort of sounds like they're, uh, you know, designed after the Freemason concept. You know, this secret club. Uh, yeah, with a, you know, There's a Masonic Lodge in every town in America, right? Especially, you know, especially in the South. Yeah, but it goes back to the European uh, medieval guild system. You know, if you look up... Uh, for example, the worshipful order of the uh, worshipful order of the bankers, or the worshipful company of the Mercers, you know, they're all over Europe. People don't even realize today that the smallest union union of political organization in Europe is actually a commune. 
Look it up. Especially true Sir, in places like France and Switzerland. So yeah, yep. uh, when you when you blend uh, capitalism uh, and communism, and remember, there's there's a whole lot to hate about both of them. You know, capitalism isn't really about free enterprise anymore, as far as I'm concerned. You know, and especially with the banking system that we have, the financial system. It's really a system of slavery, no different than communism. But see, capitalists, the uber-rich capitalists and the uber-rich communists, they share one common objective, and that is monopoly control over all means of production. They're two sides of the same coin. So anyway, since... uh, They're dialectic. That's another dialectic, Lark. Yep, half the people in the country think communists are just awful. Socialists are awful. And then you got another uh, part of the country that think, well, you know, those oligarchs and those uh, fat cats and, uh, you know, Rothschilds and Rockefellers, they're all just, uh, you know, god-awful. But how many people realize that the corporation, the modern corporation, is actually set up in the same way as any kind of a uh, collectivist entity, like a trade union, like a commune, like a guild, you know? Uh, There was a book written in 1958, you can read it online, by Ludwig von Mises, it's called Human Action. He considered it his magnum opus. He warned. He was a guy that famously in his lifetime was against socialism he warned in the pages of that book you can read it yourself of two types of socialism that most americans today have no clue actually are types of socialism one is corporatism or corporativism and the other is syndicalism or trade unionism so you know like the communists have their caste system right and the, and the capitalists they too have a caste system well, the, the communist caste system is the intelligentsia at the top, then the nomenclatura, that's the uh, thought leaders in the bureaucracy. Then you have the, the middle class. People think they still have skin in the game. And uh, that would be the bourgeois or the bourgeoisie. And then you have finally the, the landless wage slaves, the peasants. And that would be the proletariat. Well, see, the capitalists have their caste system, too. It's called the shareholders. It's called the board of directors. It's called management. And it's called the workers. Cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks. So, I mean, what the hell is the difference? You can go online right now and read something called History of Corporations. Glenn... G-L-Y-N, Holt, or Holton, H-O-L-T. It's on the first page, results. History of corporations. And you can see this idea of managing people through corporatist entities and trade unions has been ongoing since, you know, man first started uh, developing agriculture and moving into cities, developing villages and, and the like especially going back to the time of uh, ancient Rome. And, so, anyway, and the average, I hope I'm not boring, boring y'all. No, it's, it, I'm taking it in, man. And, you know, the average American, 
you say like in the 1950s, you could graduate high school and start a business in your local town and be competitive. That's not a thing anymore. Uh, very rarely could you do that. You're not part of their system. You know, you mentioned you got the shareholders, the CEOs, the, the lower management. Um, it, it is like that. At best, a person could graduate, spend 60000 on a degree, and maybe get a managerial position in one of these companies making thirty grand a year. Maybe. Well, I'll do, I'll do you one better. Uh, about 15 years ago, I had a couple of clients. And uh, I was learning about communitarianism, and I was talking to them, and we were friendly with each other and so forth. We'd done business together. And uh, one was a guy that called himself a country lawyer. And uh, his son was even a lawyer. And another woman was a real estate investor. Both of these people had purchased land in Costa Rica. And so I was curious why they both wanted to hightail it out of the country and move to Costa Rica. Well, the lawyer told me that said down there, you, you know, to go into business, you literally only have to set up by the side of the road or wherever other people are setting up in town and just, you know, sell your wares, whatever it is, products, services, what have you. There's no red tape. I mean, I owned my first business when I was 18 years old. I wanted to own a restaurant, but I didn't want to work for anybody. I liked the idea that, you know, pretty girls ate and guys my own age ate. Uh, and so, I mean, everybody gets hungry. And I'm thinking, well, I can buy the raw material and shucks, I can uh, serve a hamburger or a salad or just whatever, you know, and I could do it by myself. And that's what I did. I decided I didn't want to pay the rent. I didn't want to deal with the government. I didn't care about Uncle Sam. I only knew that I wanted to cut a deal with anybody who would let me sell food to their patrons. And so I would go to club owners. And, so, you know, you guys are losing business during happy hour because uh, people are leaving because they get hungry. And that's how I got started in the restaurant business. Thanks, Bob Clark. Thank you, guys. Cool it with Andy Smith for months. My message is simple. It's a man, baby. Uh, stop defaming me. Sir, my message is simple. Sir, my message is simple. Naggers, Jews, homosexuals. Mexicans, Arabs, and all Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. 
or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. You're listening to Real Talk Radio, only on the Republic Broadcasting Network. 